I just want to, um, yeah, our sermon today um, is from uh, Pastor Fritz of the Presbyterian denomination, and uh, he wrote the largest share of the sermon, um, along with uh, what I worked on as well. And I used the sermon uh, along with the topic I was working on, which were both very similar. His title was Dying to Live, and my title was Dying Together to Live Together. And his scripture was Romans 12, verse 1, and I was focusing on 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 to 11. Um, so I've put them both together, and uh, this will be God's message to us today. I want to just mention that I, I couldn't have done this alone, and uh, without the uh, patience and help of my wife, who did a lot of typing and uh, critiquing and helping me in that, I really appreciate her help there. And also Pastor, Pastor uh, Leon, as Pastor Mike is away, I was able to uh, be in contact with him and he could share some of his rich insights as well. So before we open the word, shall we just pray together? Lord, your word, your word is living and active. May it speak truth to us today. Expose error in our lives. Help us to come in honesty and without pretense. Uncover the appetite we have for you, buried deep within us. Send us home today with a timely word spoken. In Jesus' name, our great atoning sacrifice, we pray. Amen. I just want to begin with a short story and illustration of, uh, just to help us understand the message we're uh, we'll hear this morning. Um, it's a message on self-sacrifice, and uh, there's four points there to, that we can follow on the, on the PowerPoint. Um, but I just want to begin with this short story. Um, Maximilian Kobe, a friar or a uh, Catholic priest, was sent to Auschwitz uh, concentration camp, a fact which by itself almost describes the bleakness of his situation. Being a man of God, however, Kobe remained resolute against the Nazis. When they decided that they wanted to starve ten men to death in order to prove a point, a lot of people were worried, a lot of people referring to everyone except Kobe. When one of the prisoners chosen for starvation cried out for his family, Kobe stepped forward and offered to die in his place. He then sang aloud for three weeks to keep up the other men's spirits, until eventually the Nazis decided to kill him with a lethal injection. The joke was on, on them in the end, however. Kobe was eventually canonized as a saint while the Nazis became the fodder for every joke ever made. And actually, we should turn to Scripture now. Um, we'll read from chapter, Romans chapter uh, 12, verse 1 and 2, and 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 to 11.
Paul speaking here, um, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 to 11. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. Dying together to live together. Paul experienced the sentence of death at every turn. One commentator has written, Paul's suffering constituted a continual process of death. His sufferings were gradually killing him and one day would kill him. He had the consolation and joy of knowing that he was sharing an experience with Jesus Christ, who had been subjected to a gradual dying until at last he went to the cross of Calvary. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I die every day. In 2 Corinthians 6, as dying and see we are alive. Colossians 2.19, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Paul is telling us that the new life of a Christian is one where we willingly lay down our life. A life of living for ourselves and constantly trying to meet our own needs and wants in exchange for a life in which our life becomes a sacrifice, giving room for Christ's life to come in. The more faithfully Paul was willing to do that, the more visible Christ became. And so it is for us also. The great exchange has taken place. His life for ours, and now we gladly give up our lives for him. There is no reason for dying just for the sake of dying. Paul tells us about his persecutions, shipwrecks, hunger, and being in need. He says the reason was so that the life of Jesus may be made visible. His heart's cry was to bring attention to Jesus and to make him known. Today we are pondering one of the great paradoxes of the Christian life. We must die in order to live. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And the Apostle Paul said, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. It was these words that inspired this well-known prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is by giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is by dying that we are born to eternal life. These words capture the essence of what Paul says in Romans 12, verse 1. What we see here is the principle of self-sacrifice. He said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In Paul's day, a sacrifice was an animal that was given to a priest to be killed in order to be offered to God. So Paul is saying that the Christian life begins by offering ourselves to God in order to die. The paradox is that by offering ourselves to God to die, we are actually enabled to live for him. Therefore, it is by dying that we are enabled to live. Remember that Jesus said that living for ourselves is actually death, while dying to self is actually living the abundant life. This principle of self-sacrifice is foundational to the doctrine of the Christian life. It is important, therefore, to understand it clearly. So in our lesson today, we will examine four aspects of the principle of self-sacrifice. First, we belong to Jesus and not to ourselves. We belong to Jesus and not to ourselves. It needs to be understood here, this very important, necessary condition, that we belong to Jesus and not to ourselves. Clearly, if we are not Christians, we don't acknowledge Jesus' kingship and we frankly live for ourselves. But the moment we became Christians, we instantaneously belonged to Jesus and not to ourselves. Paul wrote about this to the Corinthian church. He writes, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. A few paragraphs later, Paul wrote, You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. So Paul is very clear. You are not your own, and you are bought with a price. John Calvin put it this way. We are redeemed, ransomed by the Lord for the purpose of consecrating ourselves and all our members to him. Now, it is just here that many of us go wrong in our understanding of this first aspect of the principle of self-sacrifice. We forget that now that we now belong to Jesus and not ourselves. And we cannot understand why the Christian life will not work for us. After all, we said yes to Jesus' invitation to trust him and invited him into our hearts. 
Shouldn't Jesus start doing things for us now? If you are a Christian, Jesus does not belong to you in the sense that he is an accessory that you decide to wear on Sunday because that is when you go to church. But you leave him at home during the week because that is when you are in the world. No, if you are a Christian, you belong to Jesus and not to yourself. If you get this right, then you have laid the right foundation for a meaningful Christian life. So the first aspect is that we belong to Jesus and not to ourselves. And second, that we have, we have died to sin and we are now new creatures in Christ. Paul has already said that, said that several times earlier in Romans in chapter 6. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So what does Paul mean when he says that we have died to sin? A commentator says that we have died to sin does not mean that it is my duty to die to sin, and this is not a command to die to sin, or that I am to consider sin as a dead force within me, Paul is not saying that sin has been eradicated in me. He is not saying that I am dead to sin so long as I am gaining mastery over it. And he is not saying that counting myself as dead to sin makes me insensitive to it. No, what Paul is saying is that we have already died to sin. Died in the sense that we cannot successfully return to our old lives. If you are a Christian, you are so radically changed that you are now a new creature in Christ. As Paul said to the Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. A, prof a professing Christian girl who had grown up in a wonderful Christian home attended a fine Christian church and enjoyed the blessings of a godly Christian home had come to a point in her life where she wondered if her faith was real. Am I really a Christian, she asked me, or am I simply living on my parents' faith? Well, I said to her, why don't you put it to the test? What do you mean, she asked. Why don't you go and sin like the devil, go and get drunk, tell lies, gorge yourself on pride and arrogance and envy and so on? Oh, I couldn't do that, she said. And why not? Because I love Christ, she said. I can't imagine doing anything that would displease him. In that case, I replied, I do believe you are a genuine Christian because you really have died to sin and you are now a new creature in Christ. So the first aspect of the principle of self-sacrifice is that we belong to Jesus. The second is as this young lady, we have died to sin and we are now new creatures in Christ. And third, by dying to our own desires, we actually learn to live. 
Self-sacrifice means dying to our own desires, living to serve God's desires, living to serve the needs of others. When we do this, we are told that God promises us an abundant Christian life, a joy-filled life, a blessed life. But the problem is, do we as Christians really believe this? We think that if we commit to the principle of self-sacrifice, we will be utterly miserable. And so we say, if I'm going to serve God and serve others, what about myself? What about my needs? What about my desires? If I don't take care of myself, who will? No, I can't believe that this principle of self-sacrifice really works. But who are we going to believe? Are we going to believe ourselves? Or are we going to believe Jesus? Jesus gave us the recipe for how to live the happy, joy-filled, blessed Christian life. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus points the way to true happiness and blessing. But is this how we often think one finds happiness and blessing? Do we think, believe, and live in a way that shows we believe that true happiness and blessing are not found in self-sacrifice, but rather by self-gratification? Our thoughts may go like this. Blessed are the rich, for they can have all they want. Blessed are the powerful, for they can control others. Blessed are the liberated, for they can do whatever they want. Blessed are the famous, for they are envied. So which is it? Can self-gratification truly justify, satisfy? Augustine said that God has made us for himself, and we are restless until we find our rest in him. It is God alone who truly satisfies and fulfills and blesses. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. God does not lie. His word is utterly reliable. You will find that his will is good and acceptable and perfect if you will do it. So first we belong to Jesus. Second, we have died to sin and we are now new creatures in Christ. Third, by dying to our desires, we actually learn to live. And fourth, we must present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. This cannot be done for us. It is something we must do ourselves. What an interesting mental picture Paul creates for us in Romans 12. To uh, a sacrifice is something offered to God by a priest. A priest would take a sacrifice offered by a worshiper, carry it to the altar, kill it, pour out the blood, and then burn the victim's body. In that procedure, the priest and the offering were two separate entities, 
But in this image of what it is to live a genuinely Christian life, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, Paul shows that the priest and the offering are the same. Furthermore, we are the priests who present the offering, and the offerings we present are our own bodies. <clears throat> Paul lived his life as a living sacrifice, and of course our ultimate model is Jesus himself. For he was both the sacrifice and the priest who made the sacrifice. There is an enormous difference between the sacrifice Jesus made for us and our own sacrifices of ourselves. Jesus' sacrifice was an atoning sacrifice. He died in our place, bearing the punishment of God for our sin, so that we might not have to bear it. His death was substitutionary. Our sacrifices are not at all like that. They are not an atonement for sin in any sense. Still, they are like Christ's sacrifice in that we are the ones who make them and that the sacrifices we offer are ourselves. <clears throat> so to summarize again the four aspects, we belong to Jesus and not to ourselves. We have died to sin and we are new, new creatures in Christ. By dying to our own desires, we actually learn to live and we must present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Self-sacrifice is not a popular concept in our day. You, who wants to be a sacrifice? Not me. Do you? In fact, we do not want to sacrifice even a single little thing. We want to gratify ourselves instead. Nevertheless, this is where the Christian life begins. It is God's instruction and will for us, and it is good and acceptable and perfect even if it does not seem to be. Self-sacrifice means dying to our own desires, living to serve God's desires, and living to serve the needs of others. How can you and I live to serve God's desires and serve the needs of each other here at Bethel? How can we help build community and the tie that binds us in Christian love? How can we support one another in this reality of dying to self and being obedient to God? This coming Tuesday night, the pastoral elders are meeting with a group of people who have said yes to visiting those who need regular visits. Would you like to help with this too? Perhaps there is some other way you can lighten the load for others and share in the work of ministry here. What about reaching out to, to neighbors you haven't met? Or further away, for example, helping in High River? Will you trust God that he knows what he is doing? Will you believe him in this as in other matters? Believe him and do exactly what Paul urges you to do. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God and you will discover and prove that the will of God for you is indeed good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we long to be perfectly whole. We want you forever to live in our souls. Break down every idol, cast out every foe, 
Now wash us and make us whiter than snow. Lord Jesus, look down from your throne in the skies. Help us to make a complete sacrifice. We give up ourself and whatever we know. Now wash us and we will be whiter than snow. In the name of Jesus, our sacrificial lamb. Amen. <laughs>